So let's jump into our study from two weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about this. Much of modern Christianity ends up on either side of the spectrum with the Holy Spirit. Either almost everything is attributed to the Holy Spirit. And some, some ends of the, of the Christianity spectrum seem to obsess with the Holy Spirit. Everything is about the Holy Spirit. Or you go to the other end of the spectrum where many people are, and they tend to completely de-emphasize the Holy Spirit. They ignore the Holy Spirit. He is what, what some writers have, have called the forgotten God. And so the question that we posed a couple weeks ago is, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Do you think about him? Is he important to you? Do you need him? Are you confused about him? Or do you ignore him? Is he a part of your everyday walk with Jesus Christ? It's interesting, I brought up a quote by A.W. Tozer two weeks ago, and here's what it was. How revealing and provocative this is. A.W. Tozer says, many ministries function in the same way. That if God removed the Holy Spirit from that church, it would go on functioning as though nothing were different. Now, I don't know if that is just an absolute smack, but let me just read it again. Many ministries function in the same way that if God removed the Holy Spirit from that church, it would go on functioning as though nothing were different. You know, the same zone has no need for the Holy Spirit. The safe zone has no need for the Holy Spirit. And many ministries function and remain in this very realm. And so here's the disciples as we talked about. In John 14, two weeks ago, here they were ministering with Jesus for three years. He had helped them. He had taught them. He guided them. He warned them. He loved them. He corrected them. Every day of their ministry was completely guided by the, by the work of Jesus Christ and life of the disciples. And then all of a sudden, Jesus pulls them aside and says, guys, I need you to know something. I'm only going to be with you just a little bit longer. And where I'm going, you can't come. And so our relationship here on earth is ending. And you can imagine the panic that came because we can hear it through Thomas. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? You know, we need to know the way. And of course, they gave us one of the greatest quotes from Jesus Christ where he says, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. But they knew there was going to be this separation. And so where would the help come from? Where would the teaching come from? Where would the love come from? Where would the comfort and guidance? Where would all the, these things come from that they were so in need of from Jesus Christ? And so Jesus came out with this verse a little bit later on in that passage. And here's what he said. He says, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. And the world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. 
for he lives with you and will be in you. And so from two weeks ago, our main truth was this. The Holy Spirit was given because we need help. The disciples need help and they knew it. But the Holy Spirit was given because we need help. Are we on the same page together today? We need help. So say it with me. Yeah, well, say it for yourself. I need help. Yes, yeah, say it like you had a cup of coffee. Yeah, I know. Now, that was a little better. Coffee does help things, doesn't it? Amen. We need help. And Jesus knew there would be a gap. And Jesus didn't want them to be alone. And so here's what, here's what Jesus set up. He said, you know, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And this is what the text mentioned. He says, the Holy Spirit will be with you eternally. Different than the ministry of the Old Testament, he would be with you forever, the text said. And then he would be with you internally. Because up till that point, there was a word for Jesus. It was a name for Jesus called Emmanuel. Or God with us. And so here, not only was the Holy Spirit, Jesus was God with us, but now the Holy Spirit was God in us. He would indwell them. He would be with them forever. And so here's this special ministry of the Holy Spirit with them. But here's the question I have for today. Let's talk about it. Who are we dealing with? Someone were to ask you today, after we leave this place, who's the Holy Spirit? What would you say? Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, here's the beauty of our church. I mean, we're, we're a group of people looking for their next step in following Jesus, but you realize we come from a lot of different ministry backgrounds. And so I don't want you to just assume that we all would have the same answer here this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who did Jesus promise to give to his disciples? Who would be indwelling the life of every believer today? Do other groups or religions believe in the Holy Spirit? Do they believe the same things that we believe today? So let's talk about it for a moment. I, I want to tell you a few wrong answers here this morning from some other groups. That way we're aware not everyone believes the same thing about the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple most popular cult groups that are out there. And here's what they say. I just want to give, the, give these to you quick. There's one group that's very popular. And here's what they say. The initial, the initial statement is we believe in God. The eternal Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Sounds pretty good to start out with. Let's dig a little bit deeper. In their doctrinal statement, the next thing is, the doctrine of the plurality of gods is as prominent in the Bible as any other doctrine. Oopsie. So they're saying, you know what? The Holy Spirit is one of many gods. And so now they're starting to get away from what the Scriptures say. And then they go even farther and they say, Jesus was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden 
and who is our Father in heaven? And so here they're saying, no, there was not a virgin birth by the Holy Spirit. It was by God the Father. And so they're stepping back away from the Holy Spirit being the same as one of the triunity. They're saying he's just one of many gods, and they're saying he was not a part of the virgin birth. And so they're getting away from what the scriptures say. Here's another popular cult group. And they say this about the Holy Spirit. They don't even say he's a person. They say he's God's active force or energy by which he accomplishes his purpose and executes his will. So he's not a person. He's not God, but he's energy. He's God's energy. And then are you sitting down? You ready for this one? There's a woman in Lois Roden of Waco, Texas. Here's her thought. The Holy Spirit is a woman. Thus the doctrine of the Trinity consists of the Father, the Mother, and the Son. She's from Waco, Texas. So we pronounce it now Waco, Texas. <laughs> I'd really think badly about Waco if it weren't for Chip and Joanna Gaines <laughs> that live there. That kind of makes it all good now, doesn't it? Okay. You know, I just want to cover something today. For some, this may be old territory. For some, what we're going to talk about today may be new territory. But for all of us, this is important territory. We've got to talk about it. We all need to be on the same foundation for who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm going to be working through this message a little bit differently, maybe, than what we've done in the past. There's going to be a number of verses. And I'm going to put them up on the screen to make it a little bit easier for us. But knowing who we are, and God knows who we are, folks. God knows you. God knows me. God knows our need. And knowing who we are, God gave us, and I mean this, all he is. He gave us all he is. So here's our main understanding for today, and I'm going to walk through some, some realities from Scripture on this, and this is what it is. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not just good vibes and bad vibes. He's not merely your conscience. He's not just a force or energy of God. He's not just a God among many gods. But just as much as God the Father is God, and just as much as God the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is completely God. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. The Bible consistently equates the Holy Spirit as God. And I want to give you a few passages of Scripture where you're going to see that the Holy Spirit equates, or the Bible equates the Holy Spirit as God. So let me give you one 
right off the bat it's it's about the new covenant the new covenant we talked about this when we worked through the the book of hebrews a few months ago and in the book of jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 there's a quote about the lord and there's the lord says something specific that he's going to give a new covenant now look at what the text says from jeremiah 31 31 it mentions the lord the days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the people of israel and with the people of judah now do you see who made the quote it says the lord i'm not sure your assumption here from the old testament whenever i look at that i always think okay that, well that's obviously that is god the lord is a name for god and, and in my mind i equate that with god the father that must be god the father who made this quote well i just want to jump you forward here just a little bit because there's a quote in hebrews chapter 10 verses 15 to 16 who links this same quote from jeremiah 31 and notice who the writer of Hebrews tells us who made this quote, specifically what member of the Godhead made this quote. Look at this quote from Hebrews 10, 15 to 16. It says, the Holy Spirit, so the Lord said in Jeremiah 31, but here in Hebrews 10 it says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. And first he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time says the lord so the very first equation i want to give to you from the scriptures the bible shows us and equates the holy spirit to be god as seen in this equation with the new covenant he is the lord in the old testament as quoted in jeremiah chapter 31 now let me give you another easy one this is an easy one from Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, if you're following this. And, and I call it, Don't Lie to God. There's a couple called Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. They were in the very first church. Ananias and Sapphira. I'm telling you, if there was a country song, they would have the perfect names for it. Ananias and Sapphira. Doesn't it sound perfect for that? And in the very first church, they were people were selling all of their possessions and giving them to the church well people would give everything that they had to the church to be able to help those in need and ananias and sapphira they sold a piece of land and instead of giving all they kept back a portion but they lied they lied about their gift and when they went to peter and they gave it peter exposed their lie now notice this what an exposition here that Peter gives in verse 3 and 4 of Acts chapter 5. He says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Now follow this. That you have lied to, to who? The Holy Spirit. So you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then later on at the end of the verse he says, and you have not lied just to human beings, but to who? You've lied to God. So here in the New Testament, boom, Peter says, you know what? The Holy Spirit, you lied to him. And the Holy Spirit is God. 
I want to give you another one. This one may be a little bit richer, maybe a little bit harder to trace out, but this is in Isaiah chapter 6. This is in one of the most rich and vivid visions in all of Scripture. So Isaiah walks into the throne room of God. And here's how this whole vision, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on a throne. And he mentions, I saw these seraphs or angels that were around him and there was the smoke that came from the altar and it was such a vivid, every sense from him, the smell the vision, the sound of holy, holy, holy. Everything was just illuminated for Isaiah as he saw this vision of the Lord that was high and lifted up. And then what strikes us is the voice of the Lord in verse 8. And he says in verse 8, and look at it on your screen, he says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, now follow this, this is key. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I, in the singular, whom shall I send and who will go for us? In the plural. Do you catch that? Whom shall I send? This is the voice of the Lord. And who will go for us? And so you're thinking, okay, Who's the voice of the Lord talking about when he says, go for us? I know I'm, I'm just exposing that I'm a crazy pastor when I get into crazy details like this. But this is exposing something about who Isaiah saw in that room. He saw God. All of God. Because the voice of the Lord said, it's not just one that I'm sending for. I'm sending for all of us, the triunity. Now I need you to see something because the voice of the Lord went on and said, go and tell this people. Now follow this because this is going to come up in a quote from Acts 28. Go and tell these people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That's what the voice of the Lord said. Now, you've got to see this from Acts 28. Because you're wondering, who is the voice of the Lord? Are you ready for this one? Acts 28. Paul or Luke mentions in Acts 28, a message, I believe, by Peter when he said, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Can I just say this? Here, 
in the most prominent vision of all of Scripture, Isaiah sees a vision, not just of God the Father on the throne, but he sees a vision of all of the Godhead. And here's a voice of the Lord, which from our best understanding is the voice of the Holy Spirit saying these words to him. And so we understand from that, you know what, the Holy Spirit is God. And then here's one, if you've ever seen a baptism, whether here at East Bay Calvary or maybe at another church, we get people up front. Here they are. And whomever it is, whether it be the pastor or their discipler, has them. And we say these words. I baptize you. You know what we say? Would you say it with me? In the name of the, the, and the, boom. And they go in. And notice this. It's not in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's from Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20. It says, baptizing them in the name. One. They're one. The Bible equates the Holy Spirit as God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, i got to keep moving here. The Holy Spirit not only is all of God equated with God throughout Scripture, but he possesses everything that God possesses. I want you to realize he's not a lesser version of God. He's not a reduced version. He's not watered down God. He's all of who God is because the Scriptures mention his omnipotence. He's all-powerful. It mentions him at creation, that there the Spirit of God was hovering Above the waters, it mentions even beyond that, let us make man in our image. He was a part of the creation of man. Mentions his omnipresence. He's everywhere present at all times. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It mentions his omniscience. He knows everything. Now that should excite you. But at the same time, it may scare you out of your mind. He knows everything. He's eternal. There's no beginning and there's no ending with him. He has eternality just like the Father, just like the Son. He's holy and it goes through all the different deity attributes of the Holy Spirit. Just like the Father, just like the Son. He's everything God, that God the Father is, that God the Son is. He's no less God in any way that all deity is. The Holy Spirit is God, 100%. So what does that mean for us? Here's what we're going to finish with. What does that mean for you and for me sitting here this morning? I know it's a nice doctrine. I know it's neat to come to grips with, but... Um, what are we going to walk away with here? And here's, here's, here's some significant things we need to talk about. Number one, we need to realize who we're dealing with. We need to understand and realize as the Holy Spirit being God, who we are dealing with. 
I'm not big on um, substitutes. And truthfully, uh, I remember the very first time I had sweet and low. Oh, my. If you enjoy sweet and low, like, I'll be praying for you, my friend. Like, you need the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, you do. There's, there's some, I, you know, I'm a sugar person. I enjoy sugar. And when I first had sweet and low, I thought, how can people do this? This is terrible. I'm going to reveal my age in just a moment, but I grew up on, um, I grew up on the Dukes of Hazard. I don't know if there's, we're not going to do a raise of hands. This morning, unless it's every head bowed, every eye closed, you know, no one looking around. And I remember there was an episode, <clears throat> there was a season when, um, when the two big stars, Bo and Luke, were in a contract dispute. They wanted more money. And so, um, in their holdout, the producers said, okay, we're not going to give you more money. We're just going to get two lookalikes that come in that are going to be your cousins. And we're just going to keep the show going. And it's not going to miss a beat. Well, let me tell you, they stunk. Now, I'll give you a dollar if any of you, without Googling, remember the names of those two cousins. Oh, you were in the first service. (laughs) Oh, got it. Okay. I'll give you a dollar afterward, Jason. You stink. Don't clap for him. What are you... That's terrible. Okay. Never did I think that would happen here. (laughs) Let's close in prayer, folks. (laughs) It was coy and Vance. Okay, I didn't think anyone would take me up on... Did you watch the first service? You just have problems, don't you? Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have a silent prayer meeting for Jason Julerette after the service. Let me tell you, here's what I was getting at before I was rudely interrupted. The substitute is never as good as the original. I mean, they were so bad, I think they paid the other guys whatever they wanted and said, come back, man. Come back. We need you so bad. So normally the substitute stinks, you know? The substitute's horrible. But here's the cool thing. When Jesus was leaving the disciples, and he said, um, I'm sending you another. He was sending them not a watered-down version of God. Not a lesser version. Not someone of lesser ability. He was sending God. Equally God. Every bit God. To come and be a part of the lives of his disciples and all of his followers from there forward. Jesus sent his spirit 
who is every bit God, with every attribute, with every ability, with all the reputation of God, knowing all the knowledge of God, able to perform all the purposes of God, because the Holy Spirit, friends, is God, and that's who we're working with. This is the time that the substitute is every bit. All of what the original was in our lives. Knowing who we are, God gave us all he is. He gave us all he is. Beyond that appreciation, I just want to give you this and then we're going to finish up. Here's the last thing. God went all out. God went all out out to help you follow Jesus. I mean, just think about it. The Father devised the plan of redemption from eternity past and put it in motion. Jesus came and gave of himself and sacrificed his life on the cross for our sin, in our place. And then the Holy Spirit, who is 100% God, has now been given to us and implanted in the life of the believer to enable and empower. And then just think about it. Then he, he wrote this entire book. and said, here you go. Here's my word. And everything I have for you. And then look at this. He's given us his body with others who want to go in the same direction with all the same resources. Like, wow, God, you have gone all out to enable me to follow after you. He's given us everything. And so you kind of get this impression like you're up to something, God. Like, you're up to something big, and I'm going to tell you in just a moment what he's up to. From the very beginning in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I'm going to build this church. This is what he's up to. I'm going to build this church. He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what he's up to. That's why he was giving all he is. And, and I think you realize gates are not an offensive weapon. Let's charge them with our gates. No, gates are a defensive thing to try to keep people out. And so God's saying, you know what? Those gates of hell that are trying to keep the church from advancing, they're not going to be able to hold the church back. Because I am fortifying the church with everything that I am, with all that the triunity is with my plan, with my son, with my spirit, with my word, with my body. I am fortifying an army. I am fortifying a militia who's going to go into this society, who's going to penetrate it, who's going to kick some tail, who's going to make some, some headway into this world for the kingdom of God's sake. And those gates can't hold it back, is what it is. That's what God's trying to do. And then I look at the Church of America today. And forgive me, I see believers who've been 
knowing Jesus for decades, and they're like, well, yeah, that's out of my comfort zone. You know, I can't do that. I, I don't really like to do that. It's like, what? God's given you all of him, and we're like, yeah, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Really? This is an army. Like he made a tank and we go for a Sunday stroll in it. He built an army and, and the Church of America makes a spiritual social club and it's like, whoa, this is not what God intended to, to build. He meant to make a movement and not a museum. And that's why he gave us all he is. That's why he went all out to help us follow Jesus. So would you stand with me? I just have a question for you that I want you to think about on your feet. With your eyes closed, I want you to think about in your head. I want, I want it to just go through your mind. What is your next step? What's your next step out of your comfort zone? What is it? Maybe your next step is to say, I don't even know. If I have a relationship with God, that's your next step. That's your first step. Because none of this makes any sense unless you're connected to Jesus, unless you know that he is your forgiver and your leader. Like, that's, that's step number one. But if you're a believer, maybe your next step is to ask yourself, when was the last time I built a relationship with someone to share Jesus? When was it? Maybe your next step is to ask yourself, when was the last time like I got rid of grudges and I went to, to forgive people? Or maybe your next step is, when, when did I do crazy love for people I don't even know? Or for people that don't deserve it. When was the last time I reached out to do something for those unfortunate or the vulnerable like orphans and widows and those in distress? When was the last time I did something out of the ordinary to push against the gates of hell. When was that time? Because God went all out for that purpose. That's why. And I want you to get in your mind right now one thing, one thing that you can do this week. Mark it down. Share it with someone. And talk to God. And ask by his spirit. For you to step out of that little. Area. And stretch that zone of comfort. And push on the gates of hell. Let's push on them. Push on them together. They won't prevail. 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bust the zones of comfort. The whole reason why you gave all of you, God, may that purpose be fulfilled. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God implanted in the life of those who know Jesus as their forgiver, as their leader because of his death on the cross. And we know he's not there just so that way we can attend church one hour a week. He's there so we can infiltrate our community all the other hours of the week. May that happen by your spirit in our lives. May it happen this week. And we pray in your name, the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And East Bay Calvary said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Jason, I owe you a dollar, bro. Love you all. Have a good one.